When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Tuesday's edition of the Terry Scottish Football Podcast. I am Craig Anderson and I am joined uh, tonight by my, not brother, but introduced as such on, on every occasion, Tony Anderson. Thanks, Craig. How are you? I'm, I'm good, yeah. I mean, I, I, um, obviously, Scottish Cup is what we're talking about, but um, Kyle Lafferty did the business at the weekend for, for Kelly, kept, kept us clinging on clinging on to our hopes of uh, of winning winning that league um, behind a part-time team so can't complain football-wise um, I'm, I'm on strike from work just now at the moment so um, had a quiet week um, great not, stuff not getting I paid I just absolutely fucking love it when people go on strike it's my new thought I really <laughs> really enjoy yeah, I, I mean not not getting paid but um, I, I'm I'm in a fortunate position um, to, be able to, to be able to deal with that whereas the, the one of the reasons we're doing it is there are plenty of people who in, in my industry are not. So, um, fingers crossed something that it's, it's been dragging on for a while now and, and um, fingers crossed it does get sorted soon. How, how are you, Tony? Oh, I'm I'm good. I'm good. I'm, I went to Arbroath on Sunday, which is my first time at Gayfield, so I really, really enjoyed it. But uh, it, puts, uh, it sets you back uh, when you start the week on Monday when... Uh, when you've obviously went on a bus at like nine o'clock in the morning and people drinking. We got, the, the bus left super early to get there and we went to the, to get to and we were booked into a bowling club and then we got there and they're like, oh, we're not seven to 11. Like, well, that was a, <laughs> the most pointless thing uh, getting there. But they put rolls on for us that we could buy and stuff. So that was nice. But yeah, then I had to, I was up meeting a client in Leith Job Centre at five past nine on Monday morning, so that was back down to earth with a with a serious bang. I I I remember with the the Monday morning after Kelly won the League Cup, um, and, and I'd been out kind of most of the night, um, obviously celebrating after that, and then it was the, the Monday morning. I was um, I was a PhD student at the time, and I was like teaching a tutorial class, and it was just like. Must have been the worst, uh, the most shambolic class those students ever had in their life. I was going to say that, but I know what some of my colleagues are like, so maybe that's not even true. Um, <laughs> but uh, and, and that's without the alcohol for them. Um, but the um, yeah, it, it is when you've when you've had that, and then it's it's the come down as well from like a, a big exciting football experience to be just your your mundane job as well. Absolutely, because um, it was it was a, it was a proper like I'm sort of been looking forward to this since the draw. I was so excited about going to Gayfield uh, and I'd never been, I know you all went when I was away to do the hospitality and you all spoke so highly of it so, uh, and it was really good, standing on the terrace and man, what what a feeling that is, I don't obviously, something I don't get to do very regularly 
uh, and it just me and my mates were talking about it. it's like you just feel like you're all at one and the game you move everyone just moves with it um, so it's, it's, a, it's a proper it's a real experience standing on a tennis and it, it, it elevates football so much in my opinion well, and, you, and you might you might get back there next season you never know so um, we, we'll I mean we'll touch on all that in, in some of the other shows the all league shows and things like that but you and I and the reason we're here on a Tuesday is not because uh, because you overdid it on uh, on your trip to our growth but it's because obviously there was a Scottish Cup tie Monday night as well um, so we hope the, the listeners will understand the reasons why we, we didn't uh, didn't have the regular Monday show so we're here to talk about the Scottish Cup um, I'm I'm kind of stepping in as host at short notice here, so I'm just going to go through them in, in the order that I've got the games listed. So I hope that's not different to what you expected, Tony, but you know that you and I could, could talk about anything for an hour, so I don't think we'll, we'll have any issues. So we're going to start at Fur Park on Saturday. What what I think was um, one, one of the more exciting ties and one of the more exciting looking ties on paper of the round. Motherwell um, ended up coming from behind to knock out Aberdeen, um, obviously cost Stephen Glass his job as well. What what I mean? First of all, I guess we can touch on glass, Tony. Do you think? Do you think that was overdue? No, maybe not. Maybe not overdue, but it was certainly due. I think. Yeah, I I do. I always find it tough at this point because they've they've done something. They 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 went a bit left field with the type of manager, and they wanted to completely change what had happened with Derek McInnes, and so that's going to take a bit of time, and you need to sign a lot of different players. I don't think they've done very well in the transfer market at all, considering they're wanting to morph a, an entire squad to play completely differently than a portion of them had played for the last sort of five years. I thought that was going to need relative wholesale changes, which they haven't done. You got a bit unfortunate with injuries at the time, especially in the defence, but the biggest issue is it never looked really like he was implementing anything. So, like, which would normally, if you're if you're playing badly and you're you're passing and it's looking like you're you you can see where when it's going and it might work eventually, that never really seemed to be the case. I mean, their best performances came like when they played Celtic a couple of weeks ago, and that was and that was nothing to do with a, a sort of like expansive style of football. That was Aberdeen getting involved in the atmosphere and playing an up and at them style. And, and it's, it's, it's easy to do, isn't it? It's easy to 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 show what you can do in that atmosphere and the fans are kind of riling you up and it's a different type of game. My issue was always all along, Glass was so underqualified for, for that job. So you compare him to Sean Maloney coming in at Hibs. I mean, there's obviously parallels to be drawn in the sense that, and you can probably you can probably throw in Ian Cathro at Hearts and there are parallels with these guys in terms of being young coaches, their first job in, in management um, you know, maybe trying to implement something a wee bit different. The clubs, you know, trying to take a different approach. The difference between Cathro and and Maloney both had strong backgrounds as um, as coaches, as assistant managers, working with really high level teams with high level people, working quite hands on. And 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 Cathro was obviously had had his history with the, the same club as well, or started with within the same structure anyway with um, with Levine. Glass and none of that. He was he was Dave Cormack's son's pal from from what we gathered. You know what I mean? And obviously played for Aberdeen, but his coaching experience was limited to MLS reserve football. It's or whatever um, whatever league it is at Atlanta United two playing. Um, if he'd come from MLS and was you know coaching there, you could understand it because it's a it's a decent enough level. But he was just so underqualified and so straight away, you're not getting the buy in that you would get. I mean, I mean the Scottish players. Um, you know, notoriously can have issues with guys coming in, but when these guys come in um, without the reputation as well, it's not like he's got anything to lean on. And yeah, it was it was the most predictable thing. I think that that wouldn't work out. I, I think I think it was the right time for them to to get get rid of McInnes at the time that they did because it had gone stale and all that. So it's not a criticism of that decision, but the decision they made afterwards that was a very attractive job. Um, Especially with the salary that McInnes was was supposed to be getting, and it feels like they made no effort to you know try and recruit the sort of person that could have kicked on from where they were, and you saw parts of that on Saturday again because they're soft as anything. They they had the chance, you know, they they scored really early on, and they had the chance to make it two 0 not long after, and you kind of got from the vibe that it wouldn't have mattered. They would probably have lost anyway because every time. Mother will kind of got in their faces, as has been the case every time we've played this season. 
Motherwell just outfought them. Yeah, I think Motherwell are, are the sort of worst team that Ab- Motherwell are, have, have exposed um, Aberdeen's sort of shortcomings more than any any other team because it's everything that everything that Motherwell are is exactly what Aberdeen under under glass aren't. And just seeing the, the way Van Veen, for example, carries himself, and he scores in every he scored he's been involved in every single goal that um, Aberdeen have conceded, and and he's so such a, a confident. Sort of good player. He's a shit house. He's sort of everything that you would want from your number nine, in my opinion. Because we spoke before about Van Veer. I think it was with you to say what I love is that even when he's playing shit, he's never not involved. He's never not affecting the game. And, I, I, and as a striker, I think that's hugely uh, important at, at all times, even when you're maybe struggling a bit for form. And it's just everything that they're not. And it's it's it's, it's probably no surprise it is Motherwell is a team that, that, that puts the final dagger into Aberdeen's heart. But going back to, to, to the glass thing, I don't it's not, I don't have a problem with going for these left field managers and these young managers. I do believe, I think I said this with Maloney coming at Hibs, I do believe that if you want to sort of break through any type of glass ceiling, it's probably going to be with one of those types of managers. You get them in before anyone else finds out and then you get the manager and then he does something incredible and then he moves on at pastures new and, and that's maybe moved you up and you've kind of qualified for Europa League group stages and, and, you, and you've won a cup or two, some, something like that. It's probably not going to be with the, the guys that kick around Scottish football all the time, so I don't have a problem with that. But like you said, it's not really comparable because Glass was never, ever, ever going to be that guy. Otherwise, he wouldn't have been sort of trying to get his pies traded and do his learning at such an, I don't mean to be disrespectful, but obscenely low level uh, of football, especially for a guy, for a, for a former relatively well-known player. It's not like he's coming up from the, from the bottom unknown, he's a student of the game or whatever. This is a guy who is a a well-known footballer in Britain. Yeah, exactly. And, and I mean, yeah, he played. He played for a long time for Aberdeen. I think he played in the Premier League for for Newcastle. Like you're you're talking about someone who we know in football that goes goes a long way in terms of convincing someone to to hire you. And yeah, as you say, it, it did feel like the the only reason he got the job was was unrelated to his ability, and and that's never a good a good starting point. Um, so yeah, I mean, so, so I mean, we'll, we'll move on from Aberdeen a little bit because Motherwell, yet again, they're, they're, they're becoming a very consistent cup team as well. That was something under Stuart McCall. <laughs> they just seem to get knocked out of the cups all the time. But, you know, they're back in a quarter final again of the Scottish Cup. You saw the quality from Van Veen and you saw the battling abilities. And, and I think if you can get that mix right, and they don't always get it right, but when, when it comes together properly like it did on Saturday... It did feel like there was only going to be one winner in this game. Then um, once once they got on top of Aberdeen, it was just relentless. Yes, yeah, it's, it's it's what I've, what the, another parallel between the between the two sides is that Motherwell t- go through down times. I mean, they've they've had a poor Motherwell, Hibs, and Aberdeen have all had a a poor twenty twenty two, but by by all accounts, but you always feel like Motherwell are going to get out of it. And even if they go six games with without a win, you always think they're going to get out of it because. Alexander <laughs> strikes me as quite a scary guy for a star. I don't think you would want to cross him too often. And I don't think things like commitment or desire or all those sort of buzzwords that are used are going to be lacking when a guy like that's around. I don't think you'd want to see that side. And they've got a they've got a relatively relatively good squad. There's, there's a few things lacking. They play they played a bit too narrow for me. Recently, I, I, they brought Roberts back in. He's he's not really been playing, and Woolery's sort of recently lost his place. And and Shaw was on the bench, which I was surprised with because he's came in and they've got Tierney, but he's he's sort of went with this sort of new one where he's doing the four three three. But he's playing with what looks like three central strikers. Like I mean, effort. I'm, as far as I was told, was a striker. He, lo- uh, he looks like he looks like one, right? I mean, physically, he. he the way he plays, you can't imagine him being a, a dainty winger. No, and with with I think I won't not I don't think that'll work all the time, and I think it's not been working really that that style. But against Aberdeen, when you're going up against sort of Bates and maybe McCrory, like sort of outnumbering that 18 yard box area narrow and just popping balls into them, you don't have you don't have to play. And this isn't a criticism at all. You don't have to play any sort of cute way against Aberdeen when you've got a night. Bates, he's just, 
It's so scary when you think you're talking about people getting promoted above their ability. David Bates seems to have been promoted above his ability since the word the, the, the day he was ever known, and it's all been, and he's and he's and it's just he's just no. I know you're a huge advocate of this, Craig, because I was going to look. I was looking at Bates closely when he came in because you assured me when Bates came to Aberdeen, it wasn't good. And and uh, and needless to say, I had the last laugh. <laughs> um, I just I just think when he played for Rangers, he, he Rangers fans got on board with him a wee bit because of like like it was almost like a cult hero thing. Do you know what I mean? Like I know he's a young player, but it was almost like this guy looks rubbish, but he, he cares, and they were a pretty bad team at the time. And so I think some people mistook that for him actually being in some way good. He got Scotland caps again, but he got Scotland caps when Scotland were, were diabolical and, and he himself, with a couple of exceptions, did not play well for Scotland um, and, and I suspect he will never get another one. Um, and yeah, and, and that move to Hamburg, well, you say, oh, he signed for Hamburg, but Hamburg were in the second tier when he played there because I did actually watch a couple of the games. He, he was not good and then barely kicked a ball, went on to Sheffield Wednesday. They didn't fancy him, didn't play a game the whole season, I don't think. Then, for some reason, Aberdeen decided to give him a three-year deal, and it, and it beggars belief, to be quite honest. And, so, and, and so I mean, this is a guy who's managed to... He's, he's done all the things that young Scottish players sort of would love to do. You know what I mean? He, he plays for the old firm, gets a little shot abroad in Germany, gets to go down south and play in England, but shit everywhere. Now he's back here and... And he's he's not good enough. They're gonna, we're gonna think it's gonna be hard push to see whoever the new manager is is gonna is gonna rate him because everything points to him not being good enough in in Scottish football. And he just got absolutely bullied. And it's like Van Veen, he, he squares up to Gallagher after his goal, which was obviously great fun. I mean, everyone everyone would absolutely love that. You'll get the people saying, "Oh, there's no class," but for me, it was it was it was brilliant stuff. But he doesn't even bother trying to wind David Bates up. He just knows that he's got. Bates number, he just completely ignore that guy. Yeah, and and I think that that's that kind of attitude is, is the attitude difference between the two that that kind of came across in that as well a wee bit. Just Mother will were there to win, and Aberdeen were there to try and implement some sort of system that ultimately didn't work, and you kind of saw that. And I think Ramirez is the only player from Aberdeen over the last little while that can kind of hold his head high in that respect because he does seem like a winner, and he seems like a guy who's. I had my doubts about him, and, and I still do to some extent. Cause I think he's quite limited in what he can do as a footballer, but um, attitude-wise, and, and in terms of you know getting himself in positions, in terms of his finish, it was a, it was a nice goal he scored. He he has done pretty well. Um, so he's, he's got, been he scores he's such been a variety of goals. That's what I love about him. It's he's he's a proper goal scorer. He's a he's a poacher. That's pretty unfashionable these days, and for obvious reasons, a lot of teams play with one central striker. So I mean, it's not even. Like getting up to about sort of fashionable football uh, trends or whatever it is, just the way the, the game's gone. But yeah, there's room for Ramirez. But if just think, there's stages when like he's getting no service. You mentioned like even a half decent season. Guy could be kicking around in the, the sort of mid twenties. Yeah, I mean, stick him in that Muller old team for all the for all the flaws. They they get their forwards chances, um, and. Yeah, and, and I think the other contrast, we've been talking about contrast through this game between the two sides, between the two managers and so on. The other contrast was, was in goals and, and obviously Aberdeen had been, you know, some Aberdeen fans had been unhappy with Joe Lewis's performances, not not perhaps uh, not perhaps without merit, and were maybe calling for Gary Woods to get a shot. I think we've seen why Gary Woods did not get a shot uh, before now, and you compare that to Kelly up the other end who, who pulls out the, the match winning save really at the end of the game. Um, with some great work from Emmanuel Thomas, who again, a player who has his faults and, and has been criticised a fair bit, but Aberdeen looked to be better when he's on the park, and, and you saw that again, but yeah, com- contrasting Kelly, who would have been, I think, a viable target for Aberdeen in the summer, to, to Gary Woods, and, and Woods, I've, I've never been sure of, and, and you kind of see, not just the error for the goal, but Subsequently, not long after that, if if he comes for and drops across as well, it it just uh, yeah, it's just does issues. Play, that's playing for one of the big Gary Wood shouldn't be playing for one of the biggest no, clubs. No. and I know he's a backup and all that, but they had Thomas Cherney as a backup before Cherney is actually capable, uh, um, much more so. And and even as a backup, you still need someone who can aspire to your level. I've always I've always been thought that the bigger clubs should have 
a younger goalkeeper, you know, someone who's got a point to prove. They might not be good, but at least, you know, you don't know that they're not good. <laughs> um, there's, there's that gamble to take. But, um, yeah, we, we saw from Woods yet again um, the issues. Um, although it could have been worse, Craig Sampson was uh, brought out of retirement to be on the bench for them. Um, so, <laughs> at, least, like, at least that never, the- never came to light. <laughs> But last point, uh, just about Aberdeen, it's like the overall, just they've got like a really bloated squad of lo- like loads of players, but they want they were meant to be playing this sort of nice expansive style. That was what I mean. He, lit- I think he literally said those words when he when he came in, Glass. But I, I think we were talking about this off air a couple of days ago because people were talking about the flair players at Aberdeen and just looking at, it, I was like, they don't actually have many. The the new the new winger that they've brought in looks like I mean he he could maybe be called a called a flair player but outside of that I, I I'd say it's much more in, industrious so players they have and some of them are really quite fit and strong. Um, well, if if you look at flair players now and again who they let go is a, a, I mean he probably correctly let go but he's a flair player and and the the ones they've brought in I mean yeah the, the midfield is quite. There's there's a variety there, but yeah, none of them are like creative, and you know maybe Marley Watkins is one that you could say if he was um, if he was fit. It's yeah, because probably... he, he I really loved I loved when the the little period they had with Watkins and Ramirez. I thought that was like the perfect blend because Watkins loves to move around. He's really mobile. He go both flanks. He's he's deceptively strong. He, he's quick. Uh, but he's not he's not a deadly finisher. That's what, what he lacks. So it was like Marie Watkins could do everything else, then Ramirez could be the one who could tuck it away. That that all made sense to me. But you can't get we still we talk about this with players a lot and when Hibs sign them or anyone signed, players get injured all the time. You can't then moan when they get injured and you don't have a backup plan because you probably knew that was going to happen. Yeah, because another team we'll get onto who I think have got such a really good variety of attacking attacking players now, and they're working on a, a much much lower budget than. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know why we always do this. It's the Mirren that I'm talking about, and we'll talk about them later. But they've got a much more variety of of attacking options, and they're again they're operating with much much less money than Aberdeen are. Hi, it's Fowler here once again to tell you about Manscaped and the ultimate purchase in below-the-waist men's grooming. That's right, it's Performance Package 4.0. Manscaped, the leaders in male grooming, have done it again to take your grooming game to the next level. Join 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with the new Performance Package 4.0 by going over to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the code TERRACE. So let me tell you a little bit about the Performance Package 4.0. Inside you'll find the Lawnmower 4.0, Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, Performance Boxer Briefs and a Travel Bag to hold it all together. But let's focus in on the Lawnmower 4.0 today. This summer is insane. Manscaped would like it to be known that it's the greatest ball trimmer ever and it's very hard to disagree. Their fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents, which you really don't want, thanks to their new advanced skin safe technology. It also has a 7,000 RPM motor, a new function on and off switch, which can gauge a travel lock because you don't want a random vibration coming from your bag when you're in a train station. Yes, that has happened to me before, (laughs) but thankfully I don't have to worry about that anymore with this new package. And it gives you the ability to turn off a 4000K LED spotlight should you need it for a more precise shave. Oh, and did I mention this trimmer is waterproof too? With all that money you save from barely doing bugger all in January, bring your comfort and boxers to another level. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code TERRACE at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code TERRACE at manscaped.com. Your balls have been through enough this past year. Treat them with the best tools for the job with Manscaped. But anyway, we will, we've spent 20 minutes in the first game uh, after saying we're going to, but, but some of these are going to be quick. But we'll, we'll move over to the one that you were at on, on Sunday, Tony. Uh, Hibs coming out on top and deservedly so um, over our broth at Gayfield. Um, an early scare, Tony. How, how did you feel when, when Craig Whiting scored early on? Yeah, we expected it was Whiting as well. I was thinking, like, everyone. They, they, I, I was doing it for a joke on our chat. Um, you know, saying like, oh, the, the collective stiffy in Scottish football when, when it goes in. But I do actually quite, I like that part of Scottish football that, you know, when there's a cup game 
on a Sunday and it's the only game on and it's like one of the bigger clubs and it is funny because you know you've been on the other side where you're sitting watching it and you know everyone's watching it and the goal goes in early and you know everyone's fucking delighted so <laughs> you know it and um, so when, and when he scored I was like right, the Jambos are going to be absolutely loving that and you're just like it's been tough little period for Hibs so you're like, oh, and everyone's been telling you all week <laughs> that you're going to lose, <laughs> that you're going to lose this game. So uh, I actually think it comes out as well a lot of credit for the players and uh, and Maloney because that really in that first five minutes you're get it was another shit a, a, like a bad cross d- defended poorly. Porteous isn't picking anyone up, um, and and Doy gets it, and, and then they wait and gets two bites at the cherry. I mean, there's discussions about handball or whatever, but. He, and, and then he and he puts it away, but Hibbs reacted sort of right away, and it was only those two pockets of the game, the first five minutes of the game, and the first half, and the first five minutes of the second half, when Hibbs weren't just basically completely dominant. Yeah, and and that's I mean it's it's a big win for Maloney in terms of obviously the league form has not not been great at all since he came in, and and the performance against um, against Cove Rangers I, th- I thought was dreadful, but um, they they got through that one, but this was much more like. What you'd expect from Hibson against against a team who are flying high. I mean, our growth just just don't lose many games at all. Um, Have they even lost they, at home this season? I... They lost to Inverness like in August, and I'm not sure they've, they've lost again in um, in the league since then. So yeah, it's been um, yeah, they're a dominant team, and, and I mean you saw them against against Kelly on Friday night, an expensively assembled Kelly team, and, and it wasn't like a a smash and grab one now. They they were the better team, um, and and probably are the best team in the championship now. And I almost feel if if Kelly do go on and win the league, it will almost be like stolen from them. Do you know what I mean? Like just like, it'll be um, annoying because I know you're the kind of guy that would absolutely love our both to come up from the championship if it just wasn't the year that it would be you yeah, that I would mean, have to pay the price. Yeah, who's to say it won't be both anyway? But um, and, and I think I think those three teams, um, three teams with a realistic chance of coming up. We'll talk about. Partick Thistle later as well, but um, yeah, they are a good team, and it's not just like a it's not just a part time team who are making the most of what they've got and all that. I think they've got they've got some genuinely really good players, and Whiten's one of those. Like Whiten, Whiten would easily play for any top half team in the Championship, and probably some bottom half teams in the Premiership. And they've been able to bring in guys of that quality. Um, and and so for Hibs to go and and it, and it is a step up in quality from what what our both have played this season. Um, there is a wee bit of a golf I would say in terms of the better teams in the and and Hibs I'm still just classing in that better teams in the Premiership category. Um, and then um, what what's what's there in the Championship and and you saw that from them because they just looked and they had a game in midweek and obviously being being part time and all that as well. Like it does it does build up on them, but. Yeah, it was very professional, professionally done from Hibs. There was maybe a wee a wee spell, um, before Hibs before Hibs wrapped it up that they did start to kind of create a wee bit, but that's that's been that was naturally going to happen. But yeah, I think the there were a lot of good performances from Hibs. I mean, why, why am I talking about Hibs? You, t- you tell me what you thought about um about the Hibs performances. Well, had, um, uh, we went with the three at the back again. I thought in terms of a negative. Like a player that I'm really I, I cannot decide about at all is, is Rocky Bashuri. Um, he's just wildly inconsistent. He's inconsistent within within matches as well. He's had some really top performances for Hibs, but this one I, I think he struggled. Do you think he was at fault for creating a few of them? But he got over it and 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 then he kicked the ball into the sea later on, which was was good fun for everyone. Um, and then we went with the back three, and when Doig was in there, I thought that was a good move. From uh, Maloney, he moved Stevenson back in, into the central midfield, which he done against Rangers. And Stevenson was arguably one of the best players on the park in that role. But that meant that Hibbs had such a strong, a creative, quick uh, left-hand side because Doig, who was basically pushing right out to almost left-back, and then you had Mitchell in front of him, and then Sylvester Jasper was coming out on that side. So Hibbs were really getting a lot of joy down there. And then obviously Cadden on the right hand side doesn't he doesn't need a whole lot of help, Cadden. I mean there's there's problems in Cadden's game which we spoke about, the lack of looking up, but in terms of roaming up and down a right hand side with, with no 
Yeah, I mean, he's ridiculously fit. He never gets tired. He could have scored a couple of goals, Cadden, and his, his performances and work rate for him is, is undeniable. Um, and I thought Ewan Henderson had probably his best game in a Hibs shirt. And then, obviously, the most important thing, I think, for Hibs fans and, and for Maloney is, is Kevin Nisbet getting a goal, not just a goal. It was a... Uh, of high quality, which he did show at times last season. That he, he, he last season the thing I liked about Nisbet was the variety of goals he scored. Again, he scored some headers. Apparently, he scored a couple of free kicks, shots out of the box, like one on ones. So there was there was a whole range of goals, and that one was just from Henderson's cross that touch and to be able to kill it dead like that and then roof the net with it was just top notch. And the fans were he came over and clapped the the terrace and after the game. And that was nice to see because when it's no going this bit's way, you can see him run down the tunnel at full time and stuff like that. So it was good to see him because it'd be huge for Hibs if they could get him back to anywhere near the sort of levels he was last season. And then Hibs could go, um, sort of go on and have a sort of stronger end of the season because if Maloney can get it right, there's still so much to be had. Like we Teams are getting away, again, like last season, are getting away with murder in terms of Team seasons who should be in the fucking bin now, and they're and they're not. And Aberdeen are practically still in that. So like they they could still get up into the top four. And St Mirren done it despite not winning in twelve games. And Ross County are starting to come in. So the teams that should be in in most normal years should be like thinking either season over or Christ, I'm going to be in a relegation battle. But now, despite the the misbehaviours of teams, they could still get a good season out of it. And as long as you're in this cup, then there's, as I said, there's the biggest prize there's there's ever been at the end of it. Yeah, and, and that's, I mean, Hibs, I think creating chances is with the, the quality of players they've got is not going to be the issue. I think the issue has been at, at the, not even at the back in terms of individual defenders' performances necessarily, but the structure. But that's something that, that you hope that, you know, as as Maloney gets more time with him, that, that maybe improves. You're not, I, I'm not one of these players, people who will say, oh, it's definitely going to improve because it might not, he might just be rubbish at organising a team and organising a shape because he probably not really had to do that before. But if he, if he is kind of as good as has been suggested in terms of, you know, his, his structures and things like that, then the fact they've got the attacking ability already there, um, they, they, as you say, it could be that, it could be a case of Hibs kind of peaking at the right time for the season, but, We'll wait and see for that when when it comes to the, get, the next year. Carrie, Carrie Clark getting back fit with a decent, hopefully, maybe even just the end of March when there's still a good two months of the season left and hopefully still in a club. I think he could be a real. Suddenly we'd have Clark, Porteous, and maybe Hanlon, and then Rocky. As I said, I, I'm not. I think Rocky will be worth the investment. He's got so many attributes that can be good, and he is only 22. And I was thinking about earlier, like. 22-year-old defenders that are doing well in Scottish football played all playing lower league football but at the time they're 22. I mean, Connor Goldson was in the fourth tier. Startfeld, I think, as I was re- looking at it earlier, he was in he was in the second tier in, a, in in Germany or something like that. So there's like players like at that age, you're not necessarily the, the finished article. So that's fine. I'm, I'm happy to see the investment in him. But I think in terms of the style that Maloney wants, Hanlon, Porteous and Clark, then you've got every single player comfortable on the football able to carry out and then Clark also adds to what I was talking about the left hand side today suddenly you can add that to right hand side then Cadden's got someone to link with there and then you get to start to get a bit excited about what that that team could be capable of yeah there's flexibility there as well because a lot of those players you've mentioned are, are able to take up more than one position um, on the park which is, I think is I think is becoming increasingly important um, so we'll move on I think there was to me there was two other games that were remotely interesting over the weekend so we'll, we'll, we'll work on those two so we'll start at for Hill um, Dundee United once again going away to, to kind of top in championship opposition once again for the second round in their own not necessarily playing at their best but once again a, a moment of quality gets them through and they have shown quite a good bit of um, of kind of grit in the competition this season and, and obviously it was a it was a banana skin waiting to happen a shit pitch um, I mean a proper properly shit pitch as well <laughs> yeah, like it's offensively um, bad yeah and then you know a, a good team that they're up against because I think Partick Thistle are I think the the backlog they've got and the fact they've got that pitch when they're actually trying to play play football a lot of the time um, will probably count against them um, in, in the running in the championship but they're they're well in the race um in terms of you know if they win if they win those games in hand, 
and I, and I think they will finish in the top three and um, that would have been one that Dundee United would have been worried about but when you've got someone like like Harks who can you know just drag something like that out, it's um it's not it's not something we've seen a lot from them, but the the technique on that was was superb. Oh, it's like a Stephen Gerrard style strike that, that really reminded me of that uh, what the one against Olympiacos that was sort of famous. It was just like whipped away, um, and he just caught it so well, and that that big for Harks because he went through a really really good big purple patch, and people were starting to think that this is a guy that. We, we expected, I think, because I've always felt that Harks is, people are rate him and there was expectation of him and he, and he certainly carries all the physical attributes to be a success here, but he really went off the boil probably since he scored the winner in the Dundee Derby, is that fair? Um, um, and, and that's a, and that's a huge, huge goal because, I mean, now, I mean, for Tam Courts, again, another team that has such a massive downturn and they've got away with it and now they're actually sitting in fourth and in a quarter final, and and the, the sort of opposite of the sort of opposite of Stephen Glass that people felt that Tam Courts had been sort of promoted way above his sort of station, but he's sort of piecing it together and um, he's sort of learning on the job maybe a bit. Yeah, and uh, again, on unlike Glass, he wasn't he wasn't parachuted in from outside. He, he did at least you know he was part of the club and. They they were going to focus a wee bit on bringing through young players, which he has done. He's he's kind of eased some of them in, and none of them have maybe completely burst their way into always being part of the team. But they've got now a crop of young guys that have that experience and have the potential to to you know become part of that team kind of going forward. So you, you can understand what they were trying to do. Um, with, with that decision, I've still there's still question marks about him in general, but yeah, he, he's getting he's getting the results. And what we have seen, which I think was what I doubted, was that they have been able to dig out results and they have been able to you know they've not collapsed. We talked about Aberdeen being soft, and United are, are definitely not soft. Um, they they can you know scrape and, and they've had a lot of one 0 wins and things like that. Um, and so yeah, I I think I think they'll give Celtic a a, a good game actually in the quarter final as well. I think they. They have enough about them that you know if if they perform, which we know they can, and and Celtic have a wee off, they they're, they're in with a chance. And what's what's, that's okay, what you're, what's interesting about you saying that is that um, Dundee United's ability to hang in there, I think, is huge. And against Celtic, a team who I think's been pretty, a lot of us on this podcast anyway, I've spoke about. Um, how Celtic sort of tail off, but ninety nine times out of hundred, the damage has already been done in, in the in the first half. Um, but like maybe what Hearts were able to do at Tynecastle, and then obviously they still ended up losing. But you could picture having if one of the teams in the top flight could sort of hang in there against Celtic till the Celtic got to this tired tired period due to their style of play. Maybe it is Dundee United, so there's maybe something in that of what you're saying that they could. Could I mean you're just you're you're getting a bit desperate because obviously Celtic Rangers are just fucking flying now and it's so annoying. <laughs> but, yeah, you just, you just, yeah, it's just you're wanting someone to to you know put one of them out. It's just to make make it a bit more interesting. And, and I thought it was um, Thistle Strip was very nice. That was uh, that the it was a throwback. I think it, it fitted in well with the pitch because it kind of evoked memories of like the nineteen fifties like playing on a playing on a tatty field and. That that strip and yeah, I assume, I think it was a, a special edition for for when they won the Scottish Cup. But I'm I'm making that up because that that was just what I assumed when it I really when I saw it was it. a really nice top. It looked like a top you could wear like not playing football. It was just it looked really really nice. Uh, but Dundee United just I said that's it's another game. I've I've been on that. I've been on quite a lot of the Monday pods recently, and uh, so I've been properly keeping on top of it. And it's just like I'm like Scott McMahon seems to have now. I thought it would have been just for a period, but that's 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 four games on the trot that Graham's played instead, and and then in this game he also went with a with a back three, and that to, and, he, and that made Nick Niskerson got in at the the wing back row, and I said McMahon had such a strong start at Dundee United, but like you said, I mean he wants to blood he wants to blood these youngsters, and and Graham's came in and he's obviously not really let him down. Uh, but I just thought I was, I was just really, really surprised over the last four weeks that he's a guy who's missing, especially when they're lose when they're missing Mulgrew. You would think like that's like the whole left hand side of your defence. Uh, so I'm Tom Tam Course again. He's he obviously has a lot of faith in in some of these young guys. Yeah, and I think mate, man's a good player and he'll probably come back in. But I think it is about you know you shouldn't ever be 
very few players at clubs that size should be guaranteed their place every week. Do you know what I mean? And if he's not, then I, I've not seen Dundee United enough to say he's, he's not performing every week or anything. But I know that the results were poor and, and they made the change and, and they've, they've picked up a wee bit. And that's what Coates is there to do. So it's, it, it makes sense to say it doesn't mean McMahon's out the picture or a bad player or any other sort, but it means, you know, they've got the flexibility, they've got the squad, they've especially got the young players on the fringes of it to be able to rotate, so why not do it? But they were they they they, they, just, they just they did have to hang in there because part of this so I watched the highlights and I watched the extended ones on the Saturday sports in there. Look, they had plenty. They looked like they dominated the game. Yeah, to be and, and they've got, I mean they've got they they obviously lost that Rudden to um, to Dundee, but they've got a lot of really good attacking players. Brian Graham, someone I've always really liked. I think he's a, he's an absolute pest and he's a big physical guy and he gets in people's faces and he noises people up and, and all everything you want from a centre forward. And Scott Tiffany. Since he since he dropped down to to League One with them is um has been really impressive as well. Um, he started um, to build up. He started to build up again. Scott Tiffany and something, and and I think we spoke about. Um, I'm sure Fowler was talking about Stevie May on a podcast about he done that, and then he sort of came in and he was talking about maybe Stevie May actually doing that again to to get him. But these guys. It's, it must be tough because you can see that they're really, really high quality, but maybe they're struggling at, at the start. And Tiffany sort of had that when he was in the top flight. Um, but he's went down and now watching him there, it looks like he'd be more than capable with the step up now. Yeah, he, he looks like another one who, who could. And, and yeah, so I think creating chances is never never an issue for, for Thistle. when they do, as I say, I think they are a really impressive team. Um, defensively, they were a bit of a disaster at the start of the season, but they've, they've showed that up. So I think, as I say, I think only their backlog is what could, could cost them in the running because I think they are, a, they are a genuine contender to, to win the league um, in the Championship. And if if Kelly and Dora are both kind of blink a wee bit, who knows? I think they, they could easily um, could easily kind of sneak up because I think nobody's really spoken about them and it's because I think they're either still sitting in fourth or fifth, but that's because they've got, got these games in hand and if they... I think if they won all their games in hand, they'd be above Kelly. So I think they are very much, um, they should be in with a shout. Um, we'll, we'll move on to, to Monday night's game. The, as I said, there was four games that were, were remotely interesting as, as spectacles or, or as contests. And this was the last one and, and only for, for part of the game. But it was Peterhead against Dundee. I thought Peterhead were very good for about an hour of this game. I thought they were probably the better team. And, and that should maybe be a wee bit worrying for Dundee. But... Again, Dundee won't care that much because they got through. Yeah, they, and I know that they always say that that's the that's the sort of the main thing with cup football, the, all the cliches and stuff. But it would worry me a bit uh, if I was a Dundee fan because they're coming off the back of poor form. They got a huge, huge result at, at Tynecastle, and then to follow up like that, that would that would worry a bit me because I mean, Fowler was talking about the the game on the podcast last week, and he he was saying. And that, he doesn't strike me as someone with sour grapes too often. I mean, that he, he was saying that he didn't actually think Dundee played that well and it was hard sort of allowed it to happen. And then watching that Peterhead game, that sort of becomes easier to to, to believe. They've got Charlie Adam back in the team, which obviously, I mean, just makes a world of difference. And if we're being brutally honest, he's the reason that, I mean, that pass and the goal, I mean, we were speaking about, you were talking about the defending being poor, which it definitely is, but it's that bit of quality and that's the the issue is what I think. There's no performance there. They basically just relied on two stalwarts of 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 the Scottish game uh, of high quality players to sort of dig them out a hole, and that made it that made it two 0 and put the the game beyond them. And then the young guy Milligan um, with a with a lovely goal uh, coming off the bench. So I, I just realised I didn't even see that goal because it went to two 0 I was I was watching on iPlayer where we were watching something on the telly as well, so I was kind of keeping a good eye in the game and then uh, when it went to 2-0 I just shut my computer and I forgot to watch the highlights this morning so I've, I've literally got no no comment on no, what right, it's just, he, he gets gets the ball and he gets inside and he curls it he uses the defender as a as a shield to curl it into the into the bot like up and it lands right at the bottom corner so it was a really tidy goal but yeah I mean you feel for Peterhead we were watching that because it wasn't like they were hanging on in there or any nonsense like that. And Savory was causing them and Duncan were causing them loads of problems. And they were their their, their patterns of play to, to get into the box and create chances was of a high standard. And I saw people on Twitter talking about Christ, the League One must be of some standard if Peter Head are lying near the bottom of that. 
Yeah, no, because you, you saw that, and I mean, maybe that's been their issue. I, I, I haven't seen Peterhead at all this season, so I couldn't comment on anything else they've done, but I, I remember a game, it was, um, was it Forfar played Dundee United? I think it was Forfar last season in the Scottish Cup, and they played pretty well in that game. And folk were saying how come they're bottom of League One and they got relegated. And, and I wonder if it's the same, maybe, you know, turning up with a big performance, but every aspect of their attack and it was particularly the patterns that they, they built in terms of creating chances shuffling the ball wide keeping the ball um, you know they were out foxing Dundee in terms of like you know yeah they weren't just shelling the ball yeah. in the box yeah. to a big strike rate like that um, but, but they, they obviously just didn't they didn't get the luck obviously with that penalty decision which is just diabolical um, and, it, and it's even less understandable because the referee's given a penalty the other end. I think the Dundee one was a penalty. It's a very unusual penalty because it's like you more you more often see challenges of that in the middle of the park where a guy's just a bit late rather than a goalkeeper doing it. And, and so I can understand why some people were a bit puzzled or confused well, about the well, penalty. Well, Kevin Kyle said after it that uh, he didn't think it was a penalty because the, the, the Dundee player was on the ground. But I have to say I'm not familiar with the on-the-ground rule. No, um, no, exactly. And so... <laughs> The fact that there had been a penalty at the other end and then for the ref not to just think, well, this probably is a penalty and just, just give it. It kind of seemed even more more unusual, but yeah, it was it was a really bad decision. Um, and, and they obviously, they probably lost anyway, but you know what I mean? They, they were in that game and it would have pro- probably brought them back level. Um, when, when, they, so, when they hit the post in the first half, I, that is, I, I, I was thinking, that is possibly the closest I've ever seen a ball going in that didn't actually go in. I was I, I'd already, I was already, I'd went, when I saw it hit the post, I picked up my phone because I was going to talk on our WhatsApp group about the goal. And then I, it took me a second to realise that it somehow hadn't actually went in the net. And they had a free kick as well, which, um, yeah, so they had all these chances that, um, yeah, in another day, they could, you know, in the other day, they could have won that game 3 0. And, you know, and, that, and that's not an exaggeration to say because you could imagine, you know, they get they, they get a goal, Dundee fall apart. And, you know, these are these are reasonable things that could have happened. But Lawler, Lawler the Dundee goalie, um, inconsistent because he what it was a great save from that uh, from the free kick and against uh, Hearts he made a couple of blinding saves as well but he also made a mistake in that so if we're getting um if you've got a goalkeeper that makes some good saves fair enough but I've seen him in two games and he's made at least three errors two and he got away with and then he got away with the one yesterday that should have cost him a goal for the for the penalty and then he obviously cost them the goal against um uh, against Hearts. Um, so and and Legsen's just a, a, a very frust- a, a weird goalkeeper as well because he's had some great games, um, but then he's cost them. So off the top of my head, he cost them six points against Ross County alone this season. Legsen, so it's, it's a it's a problem for Dundee, and I, I'm still not convinced about them staying. Out. And I'm surprised when I saw the Dundee that midfield that Dundee had. I like the blend now that they got Burn back fit, Adam back fit. And Anderson, I liked it because like Burn and Anderson are just so much legs in behind beside Adam, and then Adam just gets to concentrate on sort of try to control the tempo of the game and and, and playing those passes that, that create now McGinn's goal. But just yeah. just not convinced. They, at all. They've gone the problem was because I thought I was quite impressed with them to start of the season, but they weren't getting the results, and they've kind of gone backwards a wee bit. So yeah, I I, I share your your concerns. It's a really good point because I remember doing a a Dundee Derby preview. Uh, with, with Joel and we were we, I was sitting talking up Dundee saying basically sagging up saying Dundee United results uh, had been um, so abstractly good they didn't actually meet meet with the performances and Dundee was the complete opposite but then this happens sometimes with teams that they, they, they do start where they don't get the results and then they sort of revert to then they go through the out of form period and then before you know it well, we've actually not won any games because then even when we were on form we didn't pick up any points so <laughs> exactly um, right so those are our four uh, we'll call them our four feature games Tony because we're going to just race through the remaining ones because I don't think there was much to note so we'll start with St Mirren against Kelty Hearts St Mirren the other team we're talking about and you saw it the attacking quality that they do have you, you've, you've spoken about Conor Ronan know you're a big fan you saw what Jordan Jones can do I, I get Jones and Kelty two players that I really like and, and they've got all of that in that squad now um, so that 
losing McGrath seems a lot less of a big deal. They've probably got more dynamic attacking players now. Um, I mean, Kelty Hearts d- defensively looked a bit of a mess. I think that's been their issue. They've got quite good forward players, um, but their defence let them down a wee bit. Um, I don't think this was ever a realistic shock because it was in Paisley and, and, and St Mirren are a, a much better team than St Johnston. And were, they're flying. But, they're also on form. Um, had you know had one of those chances early on gone and it might have been a bit different but um, as soon as St Mirren kind of hit the front you kind of expected what you saw Absolutely, yeah. I mean I've spoken about St Mirren quite a length on last week's pod because that was the first time we got to see that new sort of front four um, all together Ronan, um, Kilty, Jones and Alex Grieve Alex Grieve getting get another goal in this one which will be really big for him and it's quite a sweet story coming from from his background to, to now doing this which is great but there was question marks about uh, do they need Gogic when they've got power and I, I think they were perfectly reasonable sort of like mm, not sure about that but now that you're seeing that they've moved into this 4-2-3-1 it's actually really quite clever because power's not a bad player uh, and power's sort of like he's He's really shut a lot of us up, I think, specifically because we all we all doubted the move because he was poor last season, and then he didn't actually start very well for Sabine. Neither did Sabine, and I was sort of giving ourselves all a pat on the back because <laughs> we've, we've called it. Um, but he's he's really sort of got back there. He's he's he still doesn't have the same legs, but one thing Gogic does is he can get around. He buzzes. He tackles. And now Power can just think about playing progressive passes, and Gogic do more so. Gogic has brought a bit of blend to them and it allows that front four who, I, I don't want, I'm not calling anyone lazy, uh, but I mean, Kilty, Jones, they certainly prefer to be facing the front. They certainly, so they probably is better to have two guys who really don't want to get really near the box and they just want to keep it simple for them. And now that team looks, it just makes sense. And then you're going to bring Brophy probably in is in a grieve, even though I like grieve, I, quite, I think quite like having the workman like striker there when you've got those sort of three attacking midfielders in behind them. Um, but yeah, I'm, I think he's done a really good job, Jim Goodwin, because when everyone had, there was actually expectations of Simmer in this season, and it went it went pear shaped a bit at the start, and he seems to have worked them back. And I really hope he doesn't take the Aberdeen job. I'd prefer if he's going to move, I want him to do it at the end of the season because he's, he's still got so much he could he could actually achieve. Lots at St Mirren now. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I've, I've always said I think I, I, I like him as a manager and I like what he does. And I think Aberdeen, the fit would be quite good because the style that St Mirren plays is always the style that I've kind of been, kind of associated Aberdeen with when they've been quite good, which is, you know, maybe attacking wide play, but pretty solid, pretty hard. And and I think that, that's what he would bring. Right, we'll move on. Um, we, we will finish in a nil now, as we always do. So we'll move on to the two dullest uh, fixtures of the weekend. The two most predictable results. I've really got very little to say on either of them, but Rangers went to Galabank and beat Annan 3-0. They were 3-0 up in half an hour. It's like, yeah. Uh, yeah, I would expect Rangers to beat a League 2 team. Um, yeah. Helander um, Helander made his comeback after injury and he managed to get a goal. That's sort of big for Rangers going into the where the European games come back. I, as I've said on here before, I think Hollander's really good. I think he's the he's the best out and out defender in the league. I mean there's I think Goldson's maybe a better rounded player for, for Rangers, but I think Hollander purely in a defensive it's he's the best and going into games against Borussia Dortmund, I would argue they'd really want to get him on the part for that. Ramsey got a goal this loud, he got his first start, he got an assist, Diallo got an assist, so they'll be chuffed and Roof getting a goal. So really, I think this one game looks more like um, a confidence booster for guys who maybe have been on the fringes or have been injured or are just coming into the team and all of them getting in. So Rangers will be chuffed with that. And Fashion Zakala continuing to look um, like quite a fun little guy. He, like Good good laugh. He seems to have a bit of patter online as well, which is always always nice. He seems like a human being and he done the, the Ronaldo celebration, which I thought was funny, uh, considering it's Annan. <laughs> and, and, and he didn't uh, mean it. <laughs> and he didn't mean it. <laughs> but I think because that's his thing now. He's just copying the celebrations because he done Morelos's the other week. So I think it's all just a laugh, which is which is fine. He looks like a player that I think the fans will be able to to relate yeah. to, and that's about he's, it. He's for not. Me. He's not. He's not very good. But yeah, that that all of that remains true. Well, um, yeah, I mean, but that you buy yourself time by being. You know, it is, a I cult, mean, there, there is something 
something to be said for that. But yeah, for Annan, I think it's just to be disappointed to concede from a set piece. But that's um, that's like a cliche to say that. But you know, you'd, you'd hope Rangers would cut you open, but they were going to lose anyway. They did. Another team that were going to lose, Wraith Rovers, um, also lost 3-0 to Celtic unless I missed a goal. 4-0. Four, 4-0. Uh, I did miss a goal. Um, I, again, I've lost interest as soon as, as, soon as the game was by. <laughs> it's hard to believe. Um, uh, um, a very predictable outcome. I think for this Wraith Rovers, their confidence is low. They're obviously everything going off the, on, off the park as well. Celtic absolutely flying. They're at Parkhead. What do you say? Um, I mean, they managed to. They made a few changes, like um, James Forrest and Mikey Johnson getting get a run out, and Jakimakis getting a goal. Jakimakis is is a weird one. I actually think he's a good signing for Celtic in terms of he's a proper centre forward who wants to play in front of the eighty yards, and his movement looks pretty sharp around goal, but. He's not really as much a rounded player. I don't think he'll suit the rest. I think they'll have better. I mean, Kyogo's going to be miles better and he'll suit the team. But as a backup striker, looks like the right one to have because it's a guy who's fully focused on scoring goals. And I think if you're going to have a backup striker, guys come off the bench, I think Celtic can afford to have a, a proper penalty box player. And he scored, I mean, every goal I've seen him has been either just sharp movement going in front of a striker or like just a tapping in the six yard box. Hatati's pass for that goal that they scored was was outrageous. It looked like it was a mistake for the Rathovers, but when you watched it from a different angle, it just it's just it's a centimetre too far away from them to do anything about it. And it's just the quality is just ridiculous. And they'll be pleased to have got Julien finally back on the on the pitch as a weekend for returning centre halves. I liked the skills he's goal. It was a really really good really good technique in that. And and the, the full backs they just get so much freedom in this system because the the other attacking players are taking up the defenders. You just see these because they're they're um, coming in field a wee bit as well. You see them getting into these positions with lots of space and when you've got quality on the ball, which I think a lot of Celtics full backs do, then you're going to see goals like that. Um Shame yeah, for Rathrovers in terms of like they, they looked like they created a few chances. They hung in there. Bosakoglu looked very sounded very angry, uh, which we've not really come across recently. Uh, and then I think they, that's they, about that's about keeping standards up, isn't it? So it's like you know he's got to, he's got to do that thing of making sure they don't get complacent. So I think it, it's a, it's a reminder for the players. We should have got a penalty. That. Vickers was a handball. It was. He, he leans and he, he leans into it a wee bit. So I think. I can understand why that's not given because it just looks like his hands by his side and, and the ball comes off him. So what? But you do see him lean into it a wee bit. Um, but yeah, so I mean, maybe that was the, the thing for Wraith if that goes in and, and all that. It's a wee bit of a, a different story. But I think it's not... A, when I, cause I didn't see the game live, I'd recorded it. But when I saw the um, the response, I was expecting some sort of like incredibly blatant decision. And it, and it was one of these where it, it, was, it was a handball, but it wasn't like... Some, you know, some. Oh my God, I can't believe why he's given, not given that. Like the Dundee one was that I mentioned. Um, yeah, Dundee one definitely. Yeah. Uh, right. Last game, Hearts v Livingston. I actually watched this. Well, you, you give give me a bit. I mean, for me, it looked like Hearts continuing a wee bit of a, a stumble. Nothing to worry about necessarily, but they're maybe they're just a wee bit staler than they have been because they were quite an interesting team and and they're just struggling to score goals at the moment. Yeah, they were. Um, they, what was annoying about this game is that it started like a train, man, and I was like, "Oh, brilliant!" Like I got my feet up on the on the couch and I was like glued to it. The first ten minutes, it was the 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 pace of the game was like t- taken aback, and and Livingston got in behind really early with 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 Bruce Anderson. They they sort of matched up with, with Hearts and went with three in the back, Livingston. You know, like Martindale enjoys chopping and changing formations, even mid-game, really. Um, and Anderson made a criminal decision not to pass it across to to Newbury and, and ended up putting in a pretty weak shot to to Craig Gordon. But to be honest, a, a Livingston done a number on Hearts, and and Hearts got away with it because I mean Livingston hit the post as well. Livingston had all the best chances in the game. Um, Hearts. Um, this um, Sims 
looked looked a, a, a bit of a handful. They didn't start with. Uh, I thought he, I didn't like the team at all. The front three of Mackay, Sims, and Halliday. I cannot understand why Halliday was in the front three. I know he done that against um, Ockenlick Talbot, and it worked, but. It's not the same thing. Yeah, uh, Livingston are actually not up and like Yeah, yeah, and Livingston are actually a really, really good team. Really, really good defensively. They're so organised that I'd be wanting Boyce to play because Boyce is a really difficult player to pick up. I think he's really his, his, his intelligence levels when he plays up front. Boyce are really high, but Sims Sims got a bit of joy just by his his, his aggression, his pace, and his strength. And he sort of had a few sort of shots that were were, were saved, but they were from like sort of tighter angles. Livingston also got a goal disallowed. Um, I think Penrice is offside, but the two players I wanted to talk about just really briefly was uh, like Devlin and Penrice were like colossus. <laughs> like, Dev- Devlin, I mean, I mean, people might think this is unfair, but obviously I love this player and he lacked a bit of quality, but was like uh, Devlin reminds me a bit of David Gray. Like prime. Yeah, and you're talking just to clarify as Nicky Devlin as I knew you meant that, but just because obviously no, yeah, sorry, a, yeah, there two levels of the party. Yeah, um, but, um, but Nicky, he, he reminds me a bit of uh, of David Gray when I've been watching him. Is he, he fucking loves it? He loves the defending side. Gray used to throw himself everything. He wasn't the most technically gifted, but he was a powerful runner, uh, and he was actually deceptively good in the air, Gray, even in a in a defensive sense, and he was comfortable coming in and playing in central roles, which is what Devlin done in this game in a back three, and it was like there was about four Devlins on the park. He was apps everywhere and he was so strong. And Penrice, I was talking about him last week because I was saying I watched him for 90 minutes and it's a player that had totally I knew he was there and I knew he was playing, but you know, like I just had never really taken the time to to, to watch him properly, and, and he, he impressed me a bit in the game that I watched, and I thought he was superb in this. Up and down, he created the chance for Pittman that hit the post. He created the chance for the for the disallowed goal as well, and he's defensively he, he was really sound and strong, uh, and it's just as I just he, he's he seems to be really really improving. Uh, under Martindale because I know that he wasn't really nobody really gave a shit about him really is, and it was a bit of a surprise that he's moved into there I think I think if there's one thing uh, and there's not just one thing but the thing that Martindale is best at is looking at players looking at what they are good at and then accentuating that getting the most out of them we've, we've seen that with Jason Holt and there was a really nice interview where he, he, um, I think it was with Jason Holt or I can't, it was one with either him or Martindale where he was saying to Holt you know why do you see yourself as a number 10 and then he was kind of showing him videos showing him what he could do and saying essentially basically saying Jason you're not quite creative enough to be a good number 10 at this level but you've got the tenacity to play deeper and, and you've seen you know you've seen him get the best out of Holt as a result you get that as well if you've got full backs or, or wing backs or whatever you want to play that are a bit limited um, at times Get, yeah, use their fitness, use their endeavour instead and make sure your team's set up to do that and, and that's what he's done and I I think he, he flies under the radar in terms of how much he motivates his players and how much he gets out of what are, what are I think, fundamentally a limited group of players that he's got at Livingston. Um, he's done and, similar to Goodwin as well, is that there was expectation it didn't start very well at all and we, we spoke about Martindale maybe having misplaced arrogance in the season when he was talking about no, there'll be absolutely no way that they'll get relegated and stuff. But um, he, I've been really impressed with that because he hit, he hit a he hit a sticky period last season as well after an incredible start, and now it's all leveled out a bit. And I think it's now there is absolutely no doubt that Martindale is a really fucking good good manager. Yeah, and and a couple of things to pick up from you. I know you're, you're a big fan of Bruce Anderson, but that was unforgivable um, when they had that. Two on, two on one. Yeah, yeah, that's what I said there at the start when he should have passed it. Unforgettable. Yeah. Um, I was out my, my seat at that point, as you can imagine, as, as a hipster watching every, it. Every bit of it looked a goal, and you're just uh, like, how, how have you not? Honestly, um, Craig, that was in three minutes, and it was just Livingston, just um, they, they saw that Hearts were pushing the part, started fast, obviously pushed him forward, and they just clipped it over the top, and Anderson was away. Uh, aye, it was it was criminal. Aye. And and Max Stryak, Stryak in penalties again. Like we talked last season about the shootout they had against Aberdeen. I think it was in round round four last season. He never got near a penalty, and it was the same again here. He just—I feel like he saved one earlier in the season in the league, but he—he dives—he dives a bit three he, steps tele- before they're, they're, they're yeah, the ball. He telegraphs it so much, and and it made it so easy for the Hearts players. And the only way Hearts were not scoring a penalty was if they missed the target. Because um, the only one that didn't Haring put his high. 
and then every single other one, he, di- he dived so early that they all just side-footed it into the right-hand corner. Yeah, and, and Craig Gordon's not the best penalty-saving goalkeeper, but he, he actually didn't have to be with that one from, from Obelai, um as well, which was, yeah, I mean, that's a guy who has missed his last one and is, like, overthinking as well. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Hearts, Hearts in, in the hat. They've got a home game against St Mirren in the next round, so they'll, they'll obviously fancy a return to Hamden. Um, will be. I think I think the, the line-up's really nice. Um, Hearts and Mirren will be a good game. I know that you're excited about Motherwell against everything. It's so evenly matched and such a such a, a really exciting game to watch. And then Dundee United Celtic will be a good game. And, and Dundee Rangers, Dundee won't beat Rangers, but it might be interesting for a bit. But yeah, so a, a nice a lot to look forward to. Um, and and unsurprisingly, despite you saying four of the games weren't that interesting, we've gone over an hour, Tony. So we will leave it there at the podcast. Thank you so much for for joining me. And um, thank you for all the listeners for um, for sticking around. And um, I hope you uh, if you've if you've signed up for Patreon, then um, we'll be recording something about um, the tenth anniversary of Rangers going into administration. That might be interesting. It might be fun. Um, but we're not. It's not going to be a. It's not going to be a. Um, the type of podcast Celtic fans would do about that. Um, either or the type of podcast Rangers fans would do about that. For for that matter, it's just about. Yeah, it's just. I mean, it's it's lighthearted. It's not going to be pouring over whether they're an old club or a new club or anything like that. I, I don't care. I would, um, I would, I would have no part of that boring yeah, discussion. Yeah, so but, but just you know the the a reflection on it and what it, how it changed the landscape of Scottish football. Um, yeah, so if you've signed up, you'll have that to come um, after, listen to after you listen to this and you'll have lots of brilliant content appearing. You know the review from the Terrace Network is there as well. There's lots of non-football stuff on that. Um, lots of content popping out um, of, of all sorts. So yeah, there's lots for you to listen to. Um, we really appreciate every every single one of you that listened to the show and um, thanks very much and, and enjoy your football as Craig Fowler would say. Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.